Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good intimacy with God. My name is Tony, and I'm your host. I'm excited today to have a very dear friend of mine, Charlie McMahon, with me. Charlie is the leader of a movement here in Dayton, uh, Southbrook Church, and more specifically, he's the author of a brand new program designed to help athletes, artists, and academics deal with the stress of their life, specifically students. And what I'm talking about is Players Box, helping students perform under pressure. I love, love, love this conversation. We talk about his vision for the church, about how he connects it all together, about how to take our scars and turn them to stars. And uh, man, it's just a, it's a good, refreshing idea about how we can walk alongside students. And if you love this conversation with Charlie, I want to invite you to come be a part of our Miami Valley Fellowship of Christian Athletes banquet. That's right. April 3rd at Southbrook Church, Charlie McMahon, Pastor Charlie's going to be the keynote speaker at the Miami Valley FCA banquet. To learn more about the banquet, to get connected to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes ministry, I want to invite you to check out their website, miamivalleyfca.org, miamivalleyfca.org. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with pastor, players box author, and movement leader, Charlie McMahon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to be here with the lead visionary and catalyst of Southbrook Church, Charlie McMahon. Charlie, thank you so much for being here today. No, you're welcome, Tony. I really have so much respect for you. Oh, thank you. uh, And what you've done and what you're doing, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. And so I want to start with talking a little bit about uh, COVID and the church, because you're um, uh, the lead pastor of a big movement here in Centerville, my hometown, and and uh, and you and I have met numerous times over over the the pandemic. How how is your church? How is your heart in light of uh, in light of COVID? Well, thirty eight percent of pastors coming out of this say they're done. Yeah, and I think that's very defining. That says the tie, that that the price has been too high, and I'm done. Thirty eight percent. That's wild. It is, and that is just one metric on how much the game has changed. The metrics themselves have changed. I feel like our church is doing well, but if you only use attendance as a metric, we're half the size we were two years ago. Uh, we're eighty percent of what we were in financial resources. So that's just one metric, but it is, it is, uh, it is, the rules have been changed. Not so much now, but for a year and a half there, two days was a long-term plan. Yeah. <laughs> you got, you made this decision and oops, the governor had a press conference and now that's changed. And wow, uh, you've had to change so much. We decided to reboot the church, so we we really made some big changes while we could do it because it needed to happen in a changing culture. It needed to happen, and um, it takes it takes a toll. It does, you know. I, I think I told you earlier. I, you know, I'm I'm my soul is tired. Yeah. You know, I feel soul a weariness of soul. So. Uh, I uh, so I'm okay, but it's. I would rather be doing this at 60 with my experience than at 30 with the energy I had. Then the mm. experience is really paying off. 
on what not to panic over and so you've got a lot of young staff. I mean, Southbrook mm-hmm. is, is really mm-hmm. known for its young, innovative staff. Um, how has it been mentoring and shepherding and discipling this young, innovative, super high-performing team yeah. through the great slowdown, the great yeah. resignation, the great yeah. freak out? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what to call it. Just go on. Keep going. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, so the we always we have three two dates that were catalysts 911 our church doubled in one weekend wow. after 911 we went from 1000 to 2000 literally in one week and never looked back 311 was the complete reversal of that <laughs> so this no, the, yeah, right. exactly so it was the un 911 in the in the sense that it was totally a dispersion of gathering in every way bars restaurants churches everything that had to do with gathering so the good thing about having uh, a younger staff is the generation they're a part of was already leaning toward not centralizing everything into one gathering. And so that's wor- worked really well um, and very useful. But even they have had to be very pivoting, <laughs> right? And, and um, just because you're 30 doesn't mean you're flexible. That's true. It doesn't. It's more personality type than it is age. And they've had to be very, very flexible. Um, I think it was probably useful that I was at the helm just because at my age, I uh, again, I can't tell you how I've never been more thankful for my experience in dealing with so many different things for, I don't know, 36, 7 years in ministry. So... It's uh, it's good. I'm glad they have the energy. You know, <laughs> however long I would have lived, I would have lived five years longer, like a lot of pastors, if this hadn't happened. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. Uh, it's it's like it's aged all of us. Now, one of the interesting things that that you guys are doing, uh, I I don't know if we're coming out of COVID yet. I don't even know how to classify it. So I'm not even. When we think try, we're coming but, out, we're going back in. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but you're the only church I know that just launched a capital campaign, yeah. a multi million dollar capital campaign. Yeah. Um, I, I know some church plants who, who are who are growing now and are going to buy property because they're cash rich. Mm-hmm. But I, I've never, um, in all the churches I know, I, I don't know any other movement that's uh, seemingly doubling down on yes. what they're yeah. trying to do. And it, and it feels like Southbrook is making is, is drawing a line in the sand. I'm wondering if you might tell us a little bit about how you came to that conclusion and and got your got your board on board. Yeah. yeah was, so a year ago, they really weren't. They were like, what? Are you crazy? And then we said, but yeah, but if we start this in the fall of 21, we think that culture will be ready for it. So as you know, um, five years ago, we launched I started teaching the player's box, as it's called, in 2011, and then we brought it into our ministry here five years ago. And the player's box mission is to help students perform under pressure. And the imagery of, as in many sports and theater, the player's box, the performer's box, where the friends and family sit. So we started this in equipping students for pressure and parents for how to not put pressure on their students uh, and unduly putting pressure. And we realized that it this works. This is meeting students where they are, and it is changing student ministry. Whereas student ministry in America has been, come to our building and we'll show you Jesus. Mm. This is 
we're meeting you where you are. Many of you academically, artistically, and athletically are feeling intense pressure, and you don't know if you have what it takes to meet the standards of either your school, your family, your family system. And so we are equipping students with the tools that they can use. And oh, by the way, as we do that, we're building a relationship. It is the strongest discipling leadership development reality we have because what has happened is um, we've been able to pour into students that we would have never had a connection with had we not done this. So we said, okay, let's double down and we're turning our facility into a player's box facility six days a week is when this is done. So there will be an art center, there will be an athletic center, and there will be an academic center, and that's what this capital campaign. And as always, vision, money flows to vision, and people know the need with this one. This one has not been very difficult. It's not a hard sell. Oh, it's not a hard sell. To say there's something wrong and we're going to do something about it. We're not looking to say, hey, somebody ought to do something about this. We're going to be the ones that do something about it. And so in many ways, it has been challenging because half the people heard the vision that would have heard it two years ago. But in another way, the ownership has been tremendous. We've had Mm. over 300 families commit, averaging about, I think we're up to 3.7 million of our $4 million goal to commit. So there's a... There's it's over ten thousand per family over three weeks or three years, excuse me, and that's uh, and, and just extraordinary. And it's all about the vision. It's all about they get it. We have got to help kids, and we've got to help parents help the kids. Yeah, because it's one part mental health, and then it's another part relationship building. Or is it is it, it is. really one in the same? Or how, how would you yes, how would and. you give a ten thousand you know yeah. view of what the players so, box so, is? So you know, so right now the program exists right now in increments of six week trainings where we break down the play curriculum, P L A Y, personality type, learning style, ability level, and yes factor. And each of those has a very specific implication. Personality type will tell you your relationship to pressure. Learning style will tell you how you practice or process. Ability level tells you your purpose. Why are you doing this dance? Why are you playing volleyball? And yes factor affects your positivity. So they have a very specific, you got to know this because this very critical issue is going to be affected. Pressure, um, practice, purpose, positivity and so there is this element of it that's seminar you know we do six weeks training but the real power of it is when i I teach for about 10 minutes at each one and then it's the tables and we have coaches at each table and there's six to eight kids middle school has their own session high school has their own session while that's going on parents have their own session on here here's what you need to know let's process this together so it is a information and transformation of relationship that's happening at the same time. When the facility's done, we're going to take it to uh, like a, a six day a week level. I mean, we're gonna you'll be in your group meeting however many times you can meet. It won't just be limited to six week seminars at a time. And the big component of it that is both relational and informational is. The, as soon as a high schooler 
says, I really get this, we turn them into a table leader for the middle school. Mm. So it is a magnificent leadership development engine. And in an era when people can't figure out student ministry anymore, it seems like in America, we're turning away people to be coaches for this. They, people want to be involved in this. It's, I mean, we've stumbled onto something. Now, a lot of this is is born out of your story, mm-hmm. and particularly with your son, Austin, but mm-hmm. with your daughter, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm wondering if you might share a little bit about how, uh, I mean, this feels like God's big redemption of what yeah. was a, a lot of family pain that, that you've been very open about. Yeah. So God turns our scars into stars for his use, right? That's what he does. And uh, I was a college athlete, accomplished, small college, All-American. My daughter comes along. She's really athletic in dance. And my my son, Austin, comes along. He's really athletic in, unfortunately, the same sport I was, basketball. And both of them crashed and burned partly because of external pressures that were put on them, but also internal pressures within our family. My wife and I both run pretty hot when it comes to, I'm a three, she is a nine with a strong three, uh, using the Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. So um, she has a, an eight wing to her. And so anyhow, pretty both of us are pretty intentional people and didn't realize how much pressure we put on our kids, not because we ever said, hey, you got to be great. It wasn't that. It was that they saw us. And it nearly killed both of our kids, literally. Literally nearly killed them. In, in, yeah, in two- I, I'm curious. I mean, you've, I've heard you use the term performance-based household. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I now I'm an eight on the Enneagram uh, with a seven wing, and I, I know that I have this tendency, uh, like, how do we how do we realize when we're – when all of a sudden we're running, I mean, because you, you guys are you guys are great people. Mm-hmm. Like, like there wasn't. Yeah, we're any not evil. Yeah, I don't think we're evil. No. Either. Somebody would think. Some people would think so. I'm, we're really not. No, there was no decision one day to be like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to teach our kids that the only way that they'll get receive love from yeah. us is if is we if they perform, if they perf- perform yeah. specifically athletically, right? Yeah. How does that How does that happen? I know somebody's listening and they're they're freaking out right now. Well, I, for us, it was being able to look back and see a trail with had blood on it. Yeah. You know. For a family that's listening to this, I would say this, if you are in any way an accomplished person, we call it a high functioning family. Your student feels pressure. Hmm. Because they don't know yet whether they have the wherewithal, the giftings to meet the unspoken family expectation. So you take a kid in our area it would be very typical one parent works at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. The other parent works at LexisNexis, a comfortable income. And you're not expected to get a 22 on your ACT in this family. You do understand it. That's never said. Right. But that child's going, oh, my gosh, what happens if I get a 22 on my ACT? When anything less than a 30 is really not acceptable. There's a a pressure on that that now has been accentuated because in this era, that pressure never leaves due Mm. to these little things we hold in our hands that we talk into and and do all kinds of things with. (laughs) And so what's different about this era is is in my era and your era, there was not the proximity to that constant pressure like there is now and comparison, Mm. comparison. 
And so one of the things I tell parents is if you're high functioning, which doesn't mean that you're better than, it just means you function pretty well, you got a college degree, assume the temperature in the room goes up for your child when you come into it. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, it does. The temperature in the room goes up. Because they mean, it doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they don't respect you. That doesn't mean they don't have affection for you. But there is an expectation that we want you to default to having that assumption. And so your task in many ways may seem counterintuitive. You have to lower the pressure. Wait a minute. Then Jimmy won't be everything he can be. Maybe not. I, I don't know. We'll be alongside Jimmy to help him, is what we're saying. Um, be a whole being that if he does achieve that, he does it as a whole being. If he doesn't achieve that, he does that as a whole being. <laughs> um, but largely, parents are very unaware until five minutes too late, and yeah. we were that five minutes too late. Wow. And so we, we, I said in 2011, I said, I'm not going to let this happen to another kid if I can do anything about it. And I'm gonna. So I started writing the play curriculum, P-L-A-Y, and then we put that together. We refined it. We, I mean, we're still to this day. We're doing a 12-week session with a local high school basketball team right now, where we're refining it even more. I mean, just why? It's because parents need help, and some of them don't know it. Yeah. How do you um, respond when a parent says, "Hey, I, I can't come to the players' box"? For the parents' part, but I think it's good for my kid because he's obviously super nervous, or she's obviously super nervous. Yeah, like I mean, it, it feels like a um, when I was in sales, we call it a one-legged presentation. Yeah, so good. I I will say if if the opening comes, I will say this. Now you remember that we can't resurrect what you're putting to death. Mm. So the reason why we really encourage the parental involvement, and I think it's the biggest impact we have, is not on the kids; it's the parents. Is for that reason is is the person we have to impact most is you. It's not your child. Caesar the dog whisperer. We use one of his maxims a lot, where he said, "I don't train dogs. I rehabilitate dogs. I train dog owners." And we tell people we don't train kids. We rehabilitate kids. We train parents. Well, I, the last time you were on my podcast, um, we talked about the three questions to ask your kid yeah, every, yeah, after every game. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you that th- that conversation that we had about kids' anxiety in sports um, was had a drastic impact on oh, me because I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to, uh, to use your term, turn down the heat yeah. every time. Because I'm an intense... Yeah. I mean, I'm you're an eight. You're an eight. That's all that needs to be said. I'm an intense guy on a, <laughs> yeah. even though I don't even mean to be it. Right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to bully yeah. you. Go, I go, going to right. the dentist is relaxing right. for you. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, my therapist says all the time, Tony, if you're not busy, I'm worried. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. the way. It, it's just the uh, way my brain works. Yeah. Um, can you go over those questions again? Do you remember yeah. them? Yeah. So the only three things you say to your child before they compete or perform or take the test is is play hard. Have fun. I love you. And the only three things you ask them afterwards, did you play hard? Did you have fun? Do you know I love you? And the point of that uh, is, 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 the, is the fact that – it comes from Mike Matheny, who used to be the manager of the, of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals – is your task as a parent is to be a passive encourager. Yeah. And so when in Players Box, we talk a lot about the ownership pie – if you own more of that pie than fees, transportation, you're risking it's not their pie. 
Like even at a quarter of the pie, you own the other three quarters of the outcome of the pie that goes into the oven of their performance. They own, they still don't feel like they own. And this is why a lot of kids, especially girls, quit in high school. It's like, it never was my pie. Your job is you provide, hey, honey, do you want to play soccer this year? Okay, we'll pay your fees. We'll get your uniform. We'll give you transportation. But the more you let them own the rest of the pie, you know what? I told you to get up and you didn't get up. You missed practice. That's yours. Because that's your pie. It's not, Honey, it's not my pie. It's not my soccer. It's your soccer. I paid for your fee. I mean, I gladly provide the means by which you can participate. But I set your alarm for you. I did that. I probably shouldn't have done that. But I did that because it's your job to get up. And the more you can do that, they may fail. But it was their pie. It wasn't yours. So many kids never feel like it was theirs. They say, oh, I can't believe he quit. It never was theirs. You owned it. Mm. When they looked up into the stands and they saw you were more uncomfortable than they were, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is not – the kid's thinking, this is not mine. This is theirs. <laughs> they're, 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 they're actually playing through me. And just so many of those things that say the best thing you can be is passive and passively encouraging. And, and that may mean that they don't get a 32 on their ACT. I'm very aware of that. It also may mean that they don't cut. That's what we're seeing today. Yeah. Because so much of the, of the self-destructive behavior that's happening is I got to have control of something. I got I got to be able to control something. There's nothing in my life I have control over and of course as we know from a dysfunctional standpoint and a health things like cutting and and eating disorders are a byproduct of I have no control over whether I'm enough or not. Hmm. And um it's happening to good people. Like sure and I weren't bad people. We just had we just didn't realize the heat. The same heat as you and I have talked before, the same heat, the same fire in me that inspired a church burned my kids. Yeah, and so with this approach, we're we're kind of challenging parents to play the long game. It it is. Because That's while exactly they, right. you may miss out on being a four year starter at a high school sporting event or, or being Which the doesn't matter. It by doesn't the matter, way. right? But you, but you will probably create a home that your kids want to come back to. Yeah, and I would tell you, that's what you want. It's, it's spot on, Tony. I couldn't have said it better. That's, that's what you want. And, and even though we made mistakes that caused some um, problems between our kids, we have a home now that they want to come back to. I mean, we, we hang out together. Why? It's because we learned from that. We applied grace they gave us grace. We, so many things can still happen that are positive if you'll just take this mindset. And your kids may be in their 20s, but they'll want to come back. And oh, by the way, they're, they're, they're probably going to be pretty successful as the world views that too. Right. You know, <laughs> right. I, and, I, and right. that's the thing is you can't control what they are and how God made them anyway, really. Give it up and let, let it flesh out. You know, one of the things on an athletic standpoint, for example, you know this. You're around athletics all the time. If they're good enough, they're good enough. That's right. If they're not good enough, I don't care how many AAU teams you have them playing on, they're not going to be good enough. <laughs> it's just the way it is. <laughs> <That's> and, <right. laughs> and in an era when everybody thinks that their kid can be the next Tiger Woods if they're the next Earl, we need that reality. Yeah. And so I'm just such a big proponent of the long view 
We're not trying to raise successful kids. We're trying to raise God-loving adults. Hey, friends, just pausing this conversation with Charlie to remind you about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Banquet on April 3rd. I want you to have the best possible experience, and so we're giving you a podcast code so that you can save on your registration. So if you go to miamivalleyfca.org slash banquet, and when you register, put in the word podcast, you will have a discounted rate. I'm so excited to give this gift to you, my wonderful listeners. If you're in the Miami Valley area, we'd love for you to join us April 3rd, Southbrook Church. Go to miamivalleyfca.org and don't forget to use that code podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to create a home that my kids want to bring my grandkids to, right? Because everybody I talk to tells me how awesome grandkids are. It's so worth it. Yeah. Uh, Now, the the player's box seems to me to be what what I would label as sneaky Jesus. It right, because yep. it's, it's you're not like um, I mean to be clear, if you've never looked up the the curriculum or you're not familiar with it, it's very it's it's much more practical mm-hmm. than it is. Um, I mean, it's obviously it's rooted in scripture. I'm not saying that there isn't you know theological truths in there, but it's not really. I mean, this is not like a tool to be like uh, this is not your normal Sunday night student curriculum. It's not. So it's re- what's really I think cool about it is is it's a totally inductive approach. So deductive is here's the statement: Jesus is Lord, and we're going to show you why. Where an inductive approach is: Is your life a mess? In this case, are you feeling pressure that you can't handle? We're going to show you some tools. We're going to give you the bread and the fish of mm. feeding your mind these tools. And oh, by the way, who is that guy that's behind all this? His name is Jesus. And so I am a huge proponent in this era, especially of inductive ministry, inductive teaching, and it is the ultimate. For example, one of our hallmark truths is there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. We literally now know this on a neurological level. Fear and love cannot exist in the human brain at the same time. When you're feeling love, you it is physically, neurologically impossible for you to feel fear. So the way to overcome fear and anxiety is not to, don't be fear, don't be fearful, don't be fearful. It's bring in love. I love this moment. We teach it. That's 1 John 4, 18. I don't, we, don't, we don't put that scripture reference in there. And here's why. I have pastored more Hindu and Buddhist kids and Muslim kids in the last 10 years, because I've predominantly done this at tennis, a tennis center, than I ever would have. Had I had, you know, 1 John 4.18 in the curriculum, I was able to go to Fairmont High School a few weeks ago, their volleyball team, and and the coaches who themselves are not opposed, but they're like, we will get in such trouble if you start speaking Jesus to them. I said, don't worry. I'm going to give them a lesson from Scripture, and they don't even know it. And so I, I, that day I taught. They were facing a tournament game the next day. I taught the I love this moment principle to embrace the moment. And, I, you know, people watch us. Two of them said they told their coach they were going to start attending our church. Hmm. I didn't get up there and say, hey, if you want more information, come to Southbrook Services on Sunday. I think the presentation was done in such a way that they said, I want more of this. And guilty is charged with player's box being somewhere between pre-evangelism and evangelism. But it's the belief that when I walk into a room, when you walk into a room, Jesus is walking into that room, and we can trust that the Holy Spirit will draw. Now, when we, we have things that we do called open mind gyms that are between players' box sessions, and we go much more deeply into the relationship rooted in Christ and that, because that's the 201, 301 level. And, and you're, you're going to create space 
in this building that you can basically That's exactly right to do that right is it's that just, that's is that, what we're going to yeah. do so in this building so we're going to have a there's a there's two parts of this ministry there's the part that will take our team out to Fairmont High School and we'll come at 3:30 on Wednesday afternoon for 12 weeks and we'll we'll lead your team that's different than you uh, Coach Tony is leading a group of six basketball players, and they have three components to their gatherings every week. They do uh, a player's box mental skill training. They do their ball handling drills, and they, they pray together. Hmm. That's what you do. That's, that's your group. This week, all platforms, arts, academics, athletics, are, say, let's say, are learning big you, little you principle. But you guys are doing ball handling. The volleyball crew is doing different skill development. Both of you will be learning the same thing. Both of you will be praying with those kids. And and our intention, is it starts next fall, is that you start with that group when they're in fourth grade. And however many of them want to journey through, man, you're at their graduation party. Yeah. And that that's the relational aspect. When kids are shown love and truth, I mean, I, I, it's, I don't know. I bet I've had a dozen kids that we've baptized through Players Box before it ever started here. Hmm. Because it's got to know me. They got to know me through what I was doing at the time at South Regency. Now I do it at five seasons. But, you know, it's still, hey, show us Jesus. And maybe it's more so that. And so you give them bread and fish. Jesus had no illusion that giving people bread and fish was going to save their soul. But it was a means for them to sit on the hill and go, you're meeting my hierarchy of needs here Take me to another level. And definitely we see that with players. We do get, we have gotten from our own people pushback. There's not enough Jesus in this. I'm sure Christians are always going to have a problem. Exactly. (laughs) Jesus, I have a problem with his sermons because there was too many stories and not enough scripture. You know, and Jesus, that that idea that that something's biblical, if it has more verses and more, well, this is a different era, man. This is, we're sitting in Athens now. We're, we're, we're not in Jerusalem. We're in Athens. Oh, okay, unpack that, because I, I, yeah. I know what you mean, but I think mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people listening who, who don't know that reference, and I yeah. think it's really important, because you're, you're kind of turning your church into a rec center. We are. That's, and we even add, if, if there was any pushback, it was, aren't there enough YMCAs in the area? Why do we need this? Here's, here's why. We can't do it the why what we can do here, and that is when Paul, in Acts 17, went into Athens... He looked at their hundreds of idols, and they even had an idol to an unknown god, and that was in case they missed one. <laughs> and he looked at he goes, uh, let me talk to you about that unknown god. I'm going to tell you about him. And he spoke from his, the poets that they had. He spoke from their culture, and through that, inductively led them into a dialogue about Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what we're doing here. We're saying... Don't don't come to our building and we'll tell you about Jesus. We're saying we're coming to you in the context of your pressure. And let's talk to you about in this culture it's I I didn't mean it this way, but in this culture performance is an idol, you know, and success and all that. Let's talk on that basis and let's just see what's available in truth. And in that building of that relationship you will find Jesus because he will come up in our conversation at some point. We will have a relationship where we can't help but speak to you of his truth and his reality. 
And eventually, Player's Box leads to Philippians 4.13. That's eventually what it leads, because every truth that we speak, I love this moment, big you, little you, they're all truths about the power of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you also. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Player's Box is really just about creating grit, Hmm. the grit of Jesus. Right, and I mean, some mental resiliency it, it, it that's is, based in the biblical truth, it right? Because it is. You're teaching coping mechanisms. That's exactly what you are. You know, hupomene, the Greek word for overcoming, is is really the one word that we're building indicates. I am of the firm belief that as soon as you can, you start training kids on how to manage pain. Because hmm. that's the that's why we have an addiction problem in our culture is is more than ever we're protecting kids from pain, not teaching them how to manage it, how to process it in a healthy way. I don't think, even love, you say, well, wait a minute, is that more important than love? Well, is not love. Part of that is processing pain. To love is to hurt. And and at the end of the day, player's box is really equipping kids to deal with loss and disappointment and pain, not shield them from it. And so in one regard, what you're doing is you're taking the parents and you're saying, okay, parents, step back and yes. let your kids experience pain. Because what we've seen over the last several decades is, right. is our inclination, mine included, to lean in and say, no, 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 don't don't hurt my kid. Don't uh, hurt my kid. I want right. my kid. And, and, and so as a parent, I hear that. And, and my initial thought was, man, I, I wonder um, – what do you tell parents to do with the shame of, like, maybe I've been parenting wrong for the last decade? We talk about that a lot in the parents section because we we make them confess, I have fallen short, mm. and confess their shame over that because I'm an expert in it. And so we really, one of the sessions, I think it's like the third session, we really bring that out strongly. By this point, you're feeling guilty. Because you've screwed up. And just get that out. This is not about focusing on your screw-ups because to be a parent is to screw up. And we joke about the fact that just trust your kids won't make your mistakes. They'll make complete opposite ones that are their own. (laughs) Right. Because they won't do what you did. (laughs) Right. They'll make their own that are the swinging the pendulum to the other direction. And they're still going to be connected to you just like yours are connected to their That's exactly right. (laughs) And, uh, And the next generation will be dealing with things that their generation didn't deal with. And... Just like our generation dealt with things that our parents' generation didn't deal with. And so we really are very aware of that shame that we feel, you know, I didn't mean to overheat with my kids, but I got sucked into that AAU culture. I did. And I I, I mean, I remember Austin telling me one time, he said, yeah, when I was in fourth grade, all I cared about was where we were going for pizza afterward. And he said, sometimes I'd be in practice and I'm I'm getting – strongly encouraged to pick up my effort and thinking to myself, a half an hour ago, I was swinging in our backyard. Hmm. What am I doing here? Hmm. (laughs) What what am I doing here? And that's how fourth graders are thinking. You think it's the most important thing ever. They're going, where are we going for ice cream afterward? (laughs) And, and, And you said the word earlier, Tony, back off. Back off of that. It seems counterintuitive, and you'll actually, you know, hold on loosely, but don't let go. You don't let go. It doesn't mean, hey, they're going to have to find their own way. You just provide what you can provide, financial support, transportation, et cetera, and then let it go from there. I, I, uh, we've got to do it because we're destroying a whole generation, 
And if you get to session three in our curriculum and you realize that you've done that, that's okay. I didn't realize it until my kids were 20, 21 years old, and it still wasn't too late for me to confess and to say, I'm so sorry. And, you know, we're still learning. We're still learning. We're still growing as a family. And um, I'm still confessing my mess-ups, you know, and making amends. Does that become just part of your normal family routine now? I mean, is it, it, is it almost like, hey, we're all going to just put our swords – I mean, now you're all adults, obviously. Mm-hmm. You've got grandkids, though, and, and so you're probably redoing it a little bit differently there. But is it like uh, – it feels like it would have less power the more often you do it. I mean, hopefully you're not doing it every week, right. you know. <laughs> There's that. Um but I would say this. I would say it was funny. Um, my daughter Jordan does a lot of creative stuff with our creative arts team, and I, when we had this fall, started planning for our family to do that video that you saw about yeah. our story. I did that with uh, really assuming she would do it. And she was hurt by that. And she goes, she said something to me. She goes, Dad, when you get into efficiency mode, I feel like you run right over me. Man, that I need to hear that. Wow. That's exactly it. You're the same way. I get into efficiency mode. It's get the job done. And I'm starting a campaign, get the job done. I got a thousand decisions I got to make today. I got to, you know, be the point in raising $4 million at the end of a pandemic. This is really challenging. And I'm just going, click off, Jordan, doing that video. Click it off. Just check it off the... Well, I didn't, I didn't really say, hey, I know this is going to be painful. Would you be willing to do it? Which would have honored her journey more. So here she is. She's 31, 32 years old. We had to have a session where I said, thank you. Hmm. Thank you for that. Because you were right. I was, I was being Mr. Efficiency Man. And I just run right over people close to me when I do that. So as you've now taught this to hundreds of mm-hmm. students, um, is there anything that you've learned about God in this process that you didn't know going in? Like maybe you had some thoughts about, but like what's teaching Players Box how to depressurize adolescence taught you about? Jesus. Well, I do think I have a theory that essentially you see over and over the Lord saying through Jesus, I've taken care of the big stuff. Now live. Hmm. You know, don't major in minors. And by the way, most of life is minors. The major things, seek first my rule, seek first my righteousness, and all all these other things will be given to you as well. I mean, the, the, and I think that's the big thing I've learned is, uh, in the words of the spiritual documentary uh, Meatballs, with <laughs> uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. The, the, you know, I, I reference that a lot. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he's a uh, he's this whacked out counts camp counselor, and and. As you look back, you realize all that stuff you thought mattered really doesn't matter. What matters is love. Mm. That's what matters is just love's still the greatest power in the world to achieve and to forgive. I mean, it just it has it has it has recovery power in every realm. It has empowerment in every realm. 
And if we'll just let that play out, uh, if, if, if your child is good at something but they don't love it, it doesn't matter if they're good at it because at some point they're not going to want to keep doing it. Yeah. But if they're not that good at something but they love it, it doesn't matter that they're not good at it hmm. because they love it. Our grandson's not a very good swimmer right now. I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> we don't hit that demographic. You don't hit nine-year-olds? No, not nine-year-olds. <laughs> but but I, he just loves it. He just loves it. Mm. And I love going watching him because I don't know a thing about swimming other than what I've done in the pool. Sure. And that's what matters. And if today you hear this and you go, okay, that's not what I thought, but I'm going to believe that, good for you. If you hear this and you go, nah, this family, we, we, we succeed, there's a really good chance someday you'll be calling me going, you were right. We got a lot of repairing to do. I'm just saying there's a good chance. Or your child will, will spend their life drinking <laughs> because they're going to have to numb the pain somehow. Right. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so good. Um, Okay, I, I know that people are going to want to get connected to Players Box. They're going to want to sign their kids up. They're going to want to mm-hmm. sign themselves up. Yeah. Where's the best place to go to get uh, <laughs> yeah. to get all the info? So our church is southbrook.org. Mm-hmm. And then on that, there's a Players Box tab. You can go directly to playersbox.org. There's a website for that. Our next session is February 1st. It's a six-week session. It includes a middle school, a high school, and a parent training that is commensurate 630 to 7.30 for middle school, 6.30 to 8 for high school. So it goes longer for the high schoolers. Middle schoolers don't want to talk as much. High schoolers, are they're into talking, and uh, usually. And so that'll run six weeks, and we'd love to have uh, them. We're doing something different with this one. We're, gonna, we're going to target ter- certain coaches to say, hey, bring your volleyball team. Bring your cross-country team. Bring your soccer team. In other words, it's winter, so those sports aren't in session. Yeah. Bring your whole team. We'll teach them this tribal speak that'll become a, become a part of your culture as a group, and it'll really help your kids in the moment when they're the ones that are kicking the penalty goal. How do I deal with that pressure? You yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay, last question I always love to ask people is an advice question. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the um, the time or, or the time in your life when okay. it happened, right? Okay. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to go back and to speak to that younger version of you um, the day that your son walked away from basketball. It was, it, it was the darkest day of my life from the standpoint that he also confessed that he'd been using drugs. And I would have done it the way I did it. One thing that I'll tell parents is this. I did something right. I know it sounds like when I talk, like, man, he just screwed up in every way. Why are we listening to him? <laughs> One thing I did right was I, I definitely said, here, here's why I think you shouldn't quit. But we didn't sever the love that had been built over 16 years. Hmm. So when he started getting tattoos, which, oh, by the way, I paid for, essentially. And I don't <laughs> like tattoos. All right. No offense to anyone who's tattooed, but that's just not something I understand. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go. What are you doing, spending my money? You know what? He was alive. Yeah. It didn't matter if he had a his body covered in tattoos. It didn't matter. And so I think the one thing that I would tell myself again is listen a lot and talk very little. 
uh, I did very, the, the only times I regretted the times where I said things that were simplistic axioms or maxims that, that were so generalized, like, you know, our family has big egos. Well, that's, I could still remember being at Cheesecake Factory and Kenwood saying that to my kids when we're at dinner and it's like, it hurt them so much. Mm. Like, why do that? There were times like that, but most of the time I just kept my mouth shut. Wow. And I'm so glad that I didn't sever the relationship just on the basis that they weren't doing what I think they should do. And the, and especially Austin, who was doing some things that were really against, he knew, our values. He was, sure. he was, he was uh, you know, really what's psychologically called differentiating in every way mm. to gain his own sense of self. And I, I would tell parents, don't. Man, if their room's dirty and, 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 and messy, I know I love a clean room too. But the big thing you got to do if your child's struggling, keep them alive. Yeah. Keep them alive. And that means you give up money and you probably ended up paying for some tattoos. You did. I don't, I'm not saying you have to pay for drugs. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad. I would give my advice again that when we were sitting on those bleachers at Centerville Soccer Stadium and and Austin tells me that, that I, thank God I would have responded the way I did. Mm. I would do it again. Just listen. Say, hey, I'm with you. And and you leave the door open for love to win. That's so good. Yeah. Charlie, I, I appreciate the time today, yeah. the generosity. And appreciate you, Tom. For all the time you've poured into me over the last yeah. couple of years. and. Can't wait to see what God does with yeah. us. Thank you, bud. Guys, I just love Charlie and his spirit. And on a personal note, he has been such a good friend to me, mentoring me on what it means to lead a movement. And he always has time for me, which I deeply appreciate. So do me a favor. Check out his website, uh, Players Box. Check out what Southbrook is doing in their ministry. Get connected with them all over the socials. And if you have a student athlete or an academic or an artist at home, someone who might be feeling the extra pressure of life, I want to invite you to connect with them so that uh, we can all grow together. More than anything, I want you to remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.